welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Well, it is wonderful to be with you today. For those of you that don't know me, most of you do, but just in case you're, you're visiting or you're new, maybe you're watching online um, or streaming on Spotify, iTunes, or somewhere like that. My name's Matt. Um, Alicia and I are the, are the founders uh, of Empower Church, and it's just good to be here with you today. So much in the world that's happening right now, globally speaking, so much happening in our very state right now in Victoria, um, so much happening in our country right now, but we know that God is moving. We believe in the overarching sovereignty of God, and our hope is in Him. He is our anchor. And so um, it's just exciting. It's wonderful to be here. So thanks for tuning. Um, if you want to know more information about who we are at Empower Church, please head to our website, empowerchurch.co. If you haven't checked that out, we've kind of got a new look going on there um, that's been up there for the last month or so. Uh, fill out a form if you want more information, if you want prayer, if you want to connect in some way, we'd love to connect with you. Um, today, I want to, I want to, um, I suppose, kind of come back to some thoughts that we had, uh, that we were talking about when we were talking about the church, the Ecclesia, a number of series ago. And I want to just keep these kind of on the forefront of your thinking so that we can prioritize, so that we can uh, really think clearly about the season that we're in and really understand and see that God is moving powerfully um, and He wants to move for us, in us and through us. And uh, if, if we have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying and doing in the church. But before we get there, come on, let's have a moment of prayer. Let's welcome Holy Spirit um, into this moment. Father, we, the posture of our heart towards you is one of humility right now. We come before you, Father, and we acknowledge that we're nothing without you. And the greatest joy, the greatest adventure, the greatest thing in our life is the fact that your grace allows us to pursue you and to be in relationship with you. That your grace through the death, the burial and the resurrection Jesus, that sacrifice that you made, your blood being shed at Calvary actually opened up a way for us to be in right standing with God. Now our names are written in the Lamb's book of life and we want to thank you and we want to worship you and we want to honour you, Father, just for that fact alone. Lord, that we're not citizens of earth, but we are citizens of heaven. We're just aliens on this planet passing through and we want to honour you, Father, for defeating the grave, for defeating sin, for defeating death and making a way for us. And that all by itself, Father, causes a praise and a thankfulness to begin to rise up in my heart, Jesus. Lord, despite the circumstances that I personally face, despite the circumstances that 
our church family are facing, whether it's sickness, financial challenges, relational challenges, mental health, with something going on with a child or whatever the case might be, just a general fear or anxiety around the future of our world. Lord, I want to thank you right now that in spite of all that, what eclipses that time and time over time and time over and over again is your goodness towards us. So we thank you and we worship you. We honor you. And I want to take this moment to praise you, God. I want to take this moment genuinely from my heart to give you thanks and to give you glory for saving me, Jesus, for rescuing me, for snatching me out of the power of sin and death and hell and, and, and putting your resurrection life inside of me. I give you all the praise and the glory. We honor you today. And Father, through this message, I'm just asking, Lord, I don't want it to be, I don't, I don't care about it going viral. I don't care about um, it getting likes. I don't care about anything like that. Lord, I'm not after the claps. Father, I'm after the, the, the change that it'll bring. I'm not after, Father, the, the platforms it might bring. I'm after the transformation it's going to bring in our heart. So anoint me. Help me to say hard things in a way that people would receive it. Help me, Holy Spirit, speak your word and speak your truth. Speak your truth boldly today and follow it. Back it up, Father, with signs and wonders today. May the name of Jesus be glorified. Speak to our hearts. Change our lives and let your presence be made manifest wherever we are right now. In Jesus' name. And someone with faith said, Amen. Put it in the chat if you're streaming this with us today. Well, uh, first of all, I um, was speaking to my dad this week and a quick shout out to Steve, my dad out who lives in Indonesia. I told him I'd do this and he joins in and streams. Um, uh, well, he, he joins in um, on a regular basis, watches all of our stuff on YouTube. And uh, dad, I just want to say I love you. Thank you for everything you've done for us. And you're amazing. So um, he lives in Indonesia and um, it's just wonderful to be able to connect in this way. So thank you. Shout out to the old man. Come on, somebody. Well, uh, we're going to read in Acts chapter 9 verse 32. And today, as I said, I want to talk about what the church. We discovered in our, in our series about the church, the ecclesia, we discovered that the church is, is, um, is not a... To say I am the church um, is kind of partly true, but what's more theologically correct is to say that we are the church. We can't exist without each other. We can't be the church and we can't bring heaven to earth like we're designed to and purpose to as the church and Jesus made a way for us to as the church without us doing it together. We need each other. And more than ever before, especially in this state, I've noticed and I want, to, I want to go on record that we, more than ever does that statement ring true. We need each other. We need each other. Now is not the time to separate. Now is the time to gather together. Now is not the time to, um, to segregate. Now is the time for us to realize that the world may um, put us into a corner where the church is forced to make certain decisions. Uh, but I want to tell you today, they, a, a 
pandemic cannot stop the church of Jesus Christ. A government, see an old wineskin way of thinking says the government are trying to restrict churches. A new wineskin mentality says, oh my gosh, there is no possible way that a government, an earthly government can shut down the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom isn't about an institution or an organization more than it is about us collectively being unified around the purpose and the mission of Jesus and uh, collectively uh, bringing our resources in the way of our gifts, in the way of our energy, in the way of our time, in the way of our resource, in the way of our money, in the way, in, uh, in every single way and bringing it together for the collective good of the gospel advancing in the earth. The church is not about a building. The church has never been about a building. The church is about the purpose and the mission of God, Missio Dei, on the earth. The mission of God. And the church, I want to um, kind of say it like this. The church, our church, does not have a unique vision. Our church has said yes to the only vision that matters, the only mission that matters. And that is the mission of God to see humanity come to know Jesus. That's what, what it's about. We don't have our own mission. Our mission is to partner with God's mission and be representatives of His, His and Him on the earth. We believe that the church is God's plan to release heaven on earth. We affirm that there are many expressions of the church. There's the mega church, there's the micro church, there's homes and there's hubs, as you've heard us talk about before. There's, there's the big and the small, there's homes and houses, there's hubs, there's uh, some of the best church I've, I've had. I've had, I've had church this week. I sat down with my barber to get a, a nice fade this week. And it just so happened that um, after, I, I, I didn't quite understand because I thought this guy was very secular and I thought the guy that cut hair next to him was even more anti-Christ if you like and um, I we just started talking and um, long story short it turns out that he's a backslidden Christian and I got to share the love of Jesus with him. I, to, I got the opportunity to tell him that God's got a destiny and a plan for his life. And I know that one day Zeke is going to experience the love of Jesus. Maybe even one day, maybe even one day he might come and attend one of our worship gatherings. But this young man, this 25-year-old, has gone through a lot in his life was experiencing the gospel of Jesus. He was having church in the hairdressers today. His friend next to him started uh, eavesdropping on our conversation. And I got, to, um, I got to, he came out of a crazy cult experience that his, that his father um, was a part of and his, grand, or his grandfather was a part of, like full on crazy cult. And his dad banned anything about religion, banned Christmas, banned any, any holiday, anything to do with religion because of his experience. And I got, to, I got to share with him the love of Jesus just as I'm getting this my hair cut. And friend, that is the power of the church. Church happens everywhere and anywhere that you allow the Spirit of God to move through your life. And what's important to understand, and we've said this since day dot, 
of the journey of Empower Church is we're not trying to devalue the gathering of the, the people of God in corporate worship, whether that's Sundays, whether it's our Saturday night, Jesus nights, or whatever the case might be. There is extreme, there is absolute biblical evidence for the gathering of the saints, for us worshiping in that way. So please don't hear what I'm not saying. But what I am saying and what I'm trying to detox your mind and your thinking is that we have been conditioned to think that that's all church is. We even say, are you coming to church this week? Are you, what church do you go to? And we ask all these, uh, have all these statements about church that when it comes to the true definition of church, they don't actually make sense. And so we've got this wonderful opportunity to empower church as we say yes to a new wineskin that um, we have this opportunity to really lean in to what I believe God is doing. It's for the brave. It's for those that are courageous. It's for the adventurer. It's for those that are sick of mundane, boring Christianity where they check in and check out of a Sunday service and that is the only expression of their faith. Is not for the faint-hearted. It's for those that have a yes in their spirit to Jesus. I'm not saying you have to be perfect, man. I've got so many faults and so many things, so many insecurities and so many hang-ups in my life. Oh my goodness. But it, 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 it's, it's for the broken, it's for the weary, it's for the hurting. But more than anything, it's for those that have a yes in their spirit that say, God, will you use me? In this time, let's go to our text, and um, we'll get we'll, we'll we'll wrap this up within half an hour today. Acts chapter nine, verse thirty-two to forty-three. If you uh, just before we do start reading, um, what's happened in Acts chapter nine is a man who was kind of the two I see of the Jewish people of that time. His name at this point in time in the in the in the biblical narrative is Saul. Saul is this man that studies at the feet of the, the highest religious office and person in the Jewish community at that time. His name is Gamaliel. And this man Saul is, um, this man Saul is his 2IC. And he is smart. He is articulate. He knows the law inside and out. He is a Jew. He, he goes, his lineage goes way back to the 12 tribes. This guy is legit. And he decides that now is the time to start persecuting the followers of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 9, it's a pivot point in the book of Acts. Because up from Acts chapter 1 through to Acts chapter 9, the church have experience these kind, this kind of golden age, this golden era, if you like, in the, in the book of Acts, where they've been able to gather in the, in, the new, in the temple courts and they've been able to teach and they've been able to talk about Jesus and, and there's great things happening within the community in that regard. And at large, they are accepted within society, but they're a threat to religion. They're a threat to the power base. They're a threat to the livelihood because they are preaching a gospel that says you don't need man to, or systems to connect with God. You just need a heart of faith, just the faith the size of a mustard seed. 
and to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. You don't need the traditions of, 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 um, of religion and those Jewish traditions anymore. And uh, you just have to have a yes to Jesus. And so Saul starts persecuting the church. And in Acts chapter 9, just prior to where we get to in this, these couple of verses we're going to read, uh, Saul doesn't do it himself, but some of his, his disciples, if you like, uh, they take a man by the name of Stephen, who in Acts chapter 6, verse number 3, is just recorded as a man that loves his community, that is serving widows, that is feeding the poor. He's, a, he's an evangelist. He's not one of the apostles. He's not anyone like that. But Stephen is stoned. Stephen is stoned and something shifts in the climate, in the social and political climate of the time. And from that golden age where they're free to be Christians, uh, something crazy happens. And as Stephen is martyred, it marks a shift in society. And the Bible tells us just a few chapters later, I think it's verse chapter number 10 or 11, that the church start to scatter as a result of the persecution. And um, this is what we're going to read. Um, some of the scatterings happen. Acts chapter 9 verse 32, as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydia. If I had time, I would take the moment uh, to preach to you about how Peter traveled. Peter was on mission. We'll talk about that in a moment because I've got a bit of time. He found a, ma a man named uh, Aeneas who was paralyzed, put that in the chat, he was paralyzed, who had been bedridden for eight years. If I had the time, which I do not have the time, I would preach about how uh, Aeneas really represents so many people that we know that they are paralyzed. They are paralyzed. And as a result of their, their paralytic state, they are bedridden. Most of society, most of religion just deal with trying to comfort people in their bedridden nature. But the heart of the gospel gets to the very root of the issue. The issue isn't about trying to provide a better quality of life for this person uh, per se. The heart of the issue is that this we're not trying to um, just give him more cushions and maybe more food and maybe more money alone. The heart of this issue is that when God, God sees him as a whole and complete person, and because he sees him as a whole and complete person, he has to deal with the, para the, um, the fact that he is paralyzed. If I had time to preach to you today, I'd preach to you about how our society is paralyzed. They are paralyzed because of sin and they live without purpose because they are paralyzed as a result of of continuing in their sinful ways. If I had time to preach to you and if we were really honest today, I'd preach to you about how, how the church are really good at pointing the finger at the paralyzed world, but really we should be pointing the thumbs at the paralyzed church. 
at the fact that we are paralyzed through tradition. We are paralyzed through through um, through the systems that we keep trying to um, make go over and over and over and over and perpetuate those systems and we are paralyzed. And friend, I want to tell you, God is raising men and women of God up that are going to liberate people from them being paralyzed. He'd been paralyzed for eight years. If I had time, I'd tell you about the number eight. The number eight is a significant biblical number. It was on the eighth day. On the eighth day, the eighth day, it represents new beginnings. It represents a new day. And this is a new day for Aeneas. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Not the brand of a church not the name of a famous Christian pastor. You don't need any of that, friend. You need to understand, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll up your mat, and immediately Aeneas got up. And all those who lived at Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Friend, this is why we need miracles in the church today. This is why if you're facing some sort of problem or diagnosis or something, it may be God's preparing you for a miracle because he wants to bring others around you to know him. The Bible says that in that um, all those that lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. People are going to see you. And as a result of the grace of Jesus working in your life, they're going to turn to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In the Greek, her name is Dorcas. Just for those having a kid, great baby name right now. Oscar and Kay, great baby name. Chip and Beck, great baby name. Anyone else having babies right now? Wonderful. Dorcas, that's it. Write it down. It's a prophecy. She, she, was, she was always doing good and helping the poor. Did you hear that? This is important because we don't talk enough about this in the church. We think if someone is always doing good and helping the poor, that they should be immune from life's problems. Why? Because the church have not taught a doctrine of suffering. But this woman that was doing good and helping the poor, verse number 37 says, about that time, she became sick and died and her body was washed. So she's been dead now for a while, washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydia was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard Peter was in Lydia, he sent, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them. And when, they arrived, when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the windows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. This reminds me of Jesus in Mark chapter 4, when Jesus heals the paralytic, uh, heals, heals the, um, the, the girl that, that's dead. He empties the room. Peter sent them out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and he prayed, turning towards the dead woman. He said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her alive to them. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time 
with a tanner named Simon. This became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. Matt, I thought you said we're talking about the church. We are talking about the church because we're post this season. We're talking about the church more than you can imagine right now. We're talking about something that's so um, so relevant to our time right now as we can't gather in the way. And I know some other church communities, some churches have opened up and they're doing gatherings and they're doing a whole lot of things, which is fantastic, each to their own. Um, and praise God that um, you know some of those some of those opportunities are, are opening up up for us to do. Um, but this message is so relevant to us because right now we kind of got this lockdown and we've got this lockout and we've got all these things. But I'm trying to help you to see that even in the midst of a persecution, and we're not persecuted like Acts chapter nine was persecuted. Let's not even let's not even go there. Like. We're not losing our life over what we believe and over our faith. We're just not in that zone yet. I'm not saying we won't be at some point in time. I'm just saying we're not there right now. But what's amazing is that the church was not restricted or stopped just because they're locked out of the temples, just because they're locked down and they can't um, do church, do Christianity in the way that they, it, it had been done before. Friend, whenever there is pressure, whenever there is a closed door, there is always innovation that sees and brings about a breakthrough. And good kingdom innovation is birthed out of revelation. It's birthed out of encounter with Jesus. And here we see Peter going, well, I can't gather in the way that I did. But what I can do is because I'm not looked, because the expression of my Christianity isn't around the gathering, isn't around just that being in that building corporately, I can still be the church. And I want to talk about four quick things of what it means to be the church. And I want you to see how Peter and the New Testament church, Acts chapter 9 and onwards, were these people. This is important. This is vital that you get this. Because while we're all, all, including myself, counting down the days and the moments that we're going to be able to gather back together in a building to worship Jesus, I want to tell you right now that we can't have our faith anchored on that moment. Just like I explained to you before, shared with you before, you know, this week I, I sat in the house of someone that was pretty unwell and I had the opportunity to to be the church in their home and pray for them. Just like I had the opportunity to sit in a barber's chair today and have church with people that are searching, deeply searching in their heart for the meaning of life. And I got to tell them that it is Jesus. The church, the first thing that I want you to write down is number one, is that the church is mobile. Old wineskin church thinking says the church is a building, right? New wineskin thinking understands that the church is mobile. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 20, Jesus is talk, teaching us and he says this, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Where two or three are gathered, this lines up with our teaching and our understanding of ecclesia. Is not I'm the, I am the church, we are the church. In other words, church happens when there's a, a understanding that, um, 
that where we are, wherever we gather, whether it's in a, in a home, whether it's in a park, whether it's in a, a cafe, where, whether it's on a walk, where two or three are gathered, I'm there in the midst of them. And I want to really encourage you to be consciously aware of his presence in that place where you gather. I didn't say I want you to be consciously aware of a feeling. I just said I want you to be consciously aware that just the reality of even the air that you breathe in, he is closer to you than that. And that he is in the midst. The church is mobile. The church is mobile. Acts chapter 9, I explained to you, man, the, the Bible says that the church disperses all over the place. And they start going all over the place. As I said before, I think it's Acts chapter um, 10 or 11, where it says, says that they're dispersed all over the place. First Peter tells a story. First Peter, Peter is writing to the church that is dispersed across these different cities and towns and countries. And right now we're in a place where the church is dispersed. But guess what? The power and the essence of who Jesus has called the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones to be, is not limited. The church is mobile. And I'm encouraging you today to get this in your head. The old wineskin church is going, how do we get um, how do we get back to church so people can come to Jesus? How do we get back to the Sunday service? Let's fight for the Sunday service. I'm all for let's getting back to the Sunday service. But friend, I'm actually more for you understanding who you are in Jesus as the church, as the representative of heaven on earth, as the ambassador, as the apostle Paul says, an ambassador for Christ, as heaven's representative on earth, I'm more excited about you getting the re that revelation and that truth in your heart, that in your workplace, to your employees or to your employ employer, your employees or employer, that you realize that you're the church. To the person that you get that delicious latte from every single morning on your commute to work or where, wherever your local cafe is, I'm praying that you would realize that you are the mobile church to them. The church has always been mobile. The last 30 to 50 years, we've made it about a building and it's time for us to understand what Paul meant when he said that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, this truth doesn't undo or negate the idea that we need to be connected and we need to be gathering together. Hebrews tells us, do not forsake the gathering don't neglect it. Don't forget about it. Don't think it's not important. Don't stop prioritizing it. Don't put all these extracurricular activities as a higher priority than gathering together. That's not what I'm saying. We know that there's biblical teaching around that. But friend, there's more teaching around the idea of you and I realizing that the church is mobile. Another thing that I want to say, and this, we're going to do this over two weeks because I've um, there's a few points that I want to um, bring out to you, is that the church is normal. What do you mean by that, Matt? Normal. Peter's just going about his life in Acts chapter 9. He's going about his ministry. He's traveling about to these different countries. He, he it's just, I, I, it's like wherever he goes, Peter, you get this sense that Peter feels like he's on mission. 
whether that's in Indonesia like my dad and you know, whether it's buying his food or whatever. It's his revelation to know that whoever he encounters, he's representing the church of Jesus. Or whether it's the hairdresser or whatever, I don't want to keep going over the hairdresser, but you know what I'm talking about. It's about understanding that Peter realizes that being a follower of Jesus, right? Being a follower of Jesus means participating in his mission on a daily basis. It's normalizing and making normal the mission of God for his life. See, old wineskin Christians, they, their Christianity functions as an event. But for a new wineskin Christian, their Christianity functions as a lifestyle. And the church, when I say it's normal, I'm saying it functions as a lifestyle and more, not an event. Friend, Parents, you've got to understand, if you've got teenagers, it is not the youth pastor's responsibility to instill the Bible and devotion and encounter with God into your child. It is not the responsibility of an event to do that. It is your responsibility as the shepherd of your children to do that. Friend, I want to tell you right now that you and I have got to take responsibility for our children and this isn't just for our children, but it's for our, the sake of our children's children and their children, that, they, that we would help them to see that Christianity is a lifestyle. If they don't see you opening your Bible, your children, if they don't see you praying, if they don't see an openness in your home, in the atmosphere of your home, in your vocabulary, that you talk about Jesus, that you share about Jesus, that you ask them what's Jesus doing in your life at the moment. This is what Jesus via the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week. And if we're leaving it up to the mechanism of an event, aka what we've called traditionally church, then friend, we are going to, um, we're going to, get to a stage where our kids are disengaged because we haven't taught them about devotion of following Jesus. It's normal. We have this saying, and it's one of the things that you're going to hear more and more and more, everyone, every day, everywhere. It's kind of like our, man, our um, vision, mission statement, whatever those things are called. Everyone, every day, everywhere. Everyone, every day, everywhere. And it's kind of you understanding like there's a personal application for you. Everyone you meet, you're the church. It's normal. Just be the love of Jesus to people. You don't have to have an altar call. Everyone bow your heads, close your eyes, put up your hand. That's not how people are going to get saved moving forward. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. I'm just saying people are going to come to the goodness of God and the grace of God. They're going to come to God outside of our Sunday services far more than they are in our Sunday services. It's everyone and it's every day and it's everywhere. And this is the vibe that we get from Peter. Number three, it is responsible. We see here Peter, we not just see Peter, but we also see that, that they, um, they heard in verse number uh, 38, they, the, the disciples in Joppa, the followers of Jesus in Joppa, heard that Peter was in Lydia. And so they sent for him. Please come at once. And then Peter comes. And it's this idea that they were responsible. Someone's died 
but we're going to be responsible for their miracle. Someone's sick, but we're going to get together and we're going to be responsible for it. We're going to take responsibility. In this new wineskin model, uh, the old wineskin mentality is all about consumers. The new wineskin mentality, there is not, everyone is a minister. Everyone has an assignment. Everyone is on mission. Everyone is responsible. Everyone is responsible. But Matt, aren't you more responsible than us? No, friend. Because God's got a specific assignment for you. Your children are not my children. I'm not responsible for them. <laughs> you are responsible for them. It's not my money. I don't steward your money. You steward your money. I don't steward your unique gifts and your unique talents and your unique abilities. You do. And so you are responsible. The church is responsible. Everyone has, a, has an assignment. We are a church full of ministers, not members. And the last thing is that it's reformational. And right here we see in Acts chapter 9, we see, uh, we see towns, we see people. We, the Bible says that many people in verse number 42, many, this became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord Jesus. It's reformational. The church, the true church of Jesus sees changed lives, sees changed families and sees changed cities. And I want to bless you to know today the fact that you are the church. You are mobile. Your Christianity functions as a lifestyle. It's normal. You, the church is normal. It's a lifestyle, not an event. You're responsible. You have an assignment and a mission from God. Take it, man. I'm telling you, we don't have long to live. I'm not talking end times here. I'm just talking about life itself. Even if you live to 80, 90, 100, life is not long. It flashes just like that. Live out the destiny and call in your life. Follow Jesus with all your heart. Lay down the excuses and passionately follow him. Time is short. It's reformational number four. It sees transformation happen in our world. Father, bless these people today. Use them. Unlock this truth in their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for watching. Talk soon.